today's message, the title of it is called Founding Father. You might have got a little bit of a hint as we talked with the kids today, but it's called Founding Father. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. Isaiah 64, verse 8. So if you have your Bibles, you can look that up. If you don't have your Bibles, you don't have the Bible app on your phone, no worries. You can have, take some time to look at it, but if not, it's going to be up on the big screen. You can just follow along. If you want to open up a Bible, you're welcome to do that. We have Bibles, extra Bibles here in the corner. We'd love to get to you. If you'd like to have one, you could just raise your hand, and we'll have somebody, Miss Deanna, will, will get one to you. If anybody needs one, thank you. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, everything's up on the big screen. We'll jump in there here in a second. And so, if you guys would all do me the favor... What we've been doing for a few weeks, we didn't do it last weekend, but we've been doing for a few weeks is I've been asking you guys as you're reading your Bible to practice a different posture as you're reading. And so I've asked you to, if you normally sit and read, to try a different type of posture because it'll help you connect with God better. And so this morning, I would love to invite you all to stand as we read Isaiah 64, verse 8. And as we read that, it's a different posture that we're going to look at, okay? The title of my talk, as I said, is Founding Father. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a portrait of God. A portrait of God today. And you know, when you look at a portrait, a portrait only shows like a certain side, right? It only really shows, you can only see a certain side. I don't know about you, but when I take pictures, uh, and I know somebody's going to take a picture of me, I usually, I'm like, okay, where's my good side? And usually this is, this is my good side. I don't know if you guys have a good side or a not good side. This is my good side. I'm always like, right here, this is good right here. Um, so I don't know if you guys do that. Anybody else like that? That's, okay, you do that. Okay, I got a few hands. All right, so, so, so you kind of, now this is one side. This is, uh, there's, but there's a bunch of other sides to me. But I, I just want to show you this side, right? So today is a portrait of God. We're going to see one side of God. And the side of God we're going to look at is our founding father, how he is our founding father. So Isaiah 64, verse 8. Scripture says, this is the word of God. Yet, O Lord, you are our, and I need a little help. So what does it say? Everybody say it aloud. You are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. And we are the work of your hand. You are our father. And so as we're still standing, we're going to read one more verse in the Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. But this passage of Isaiah talking about the potter and the clay, he is the foundation of who we are. We're the clay. So he's the foundation. He makes us together. That's what the book, this verse we read this morning, Isaiah, the potter and the clay. He's the one putting us together. Matthew 6, 9. When Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, this is what he said. He said, and you guys can help me out. He said aloud, he prayed, our what? Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name, our Father in heaven. You guys all may be seated. So I understand that just talking about Father as God, God our Father, for some of us might be a little bit like impacting, that we didn't even know that God is our father, like even to think about him in that role. And yes, he is. We just read that here in the scripture. Uh, But I want to ask you to respond. Who is God? God is, as you read it, he is our father. This is where it starts. One of the foundations of our faith is the very truth of God, that he is our father. He is our father. In fact, when Jesus would talk about God and he would talk to God, he had a very intimate 
a phrase that he would use in his spoken language. In, in the time of Jesus, the spoken language he spoke was Aramaic. And so he had a word for God, and it was Abba, Abba, Abba. And literally, the translation of Abba is it's, it's a very, very close, very intimate word for God. It's like saying Daddy, Daddy God. And, and that's what Jesus would call him. He would call him Abba, Abba. Now, uh, one thing I found that is very interesting to me, no matter where you look in all parts of the world, one of the very first words that a baby would learn to utter, you know what it is? Da, da. Ba, ba. Abba. Like, Abba is, in the Middle East, is very common to say that. And that's one of the, you can, they have actually done studies on this. The very first words of babies are da da ba ba abba it's and it's is it's as if from the baby from when they were first born they are already asking for a father and who knows if they're actually calling on their heavenly father that's what i believe when my kids i still remember the first time my boys each of them first said those words you know da da you know ba ba and when they were little, I would secretly try to brainwash them. And I would, I would say to them, who's the greatest of, your, of them all? And I would wait for them, who's the greatest of them all? Papa. I'm like, yes! You know, and I keep saying it to them. And I think my wife, Marie, heard me one time. And so she started secretly brainwashing them. Because the next time I asked them, you know, who's the greatest of them all? And they said, Mama. And they haven't stopped saying that ever since. I can't get them to switch over anymore. So I've, I've actually stopped asking. Um, I've stopped asking. So my, my oldest boy, Abdiel, he was here just a few minutes ago. Um, I asked him, I said, I, I said hey, uh, this week, I said, who do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be like you, Daddy. And I said, cool, so you want to be a pastor? And he was like, no, I just want to be a great dad. And I was like, oh, like just like you were saying. <laughs> now he's, he's four, so if he's 14 and he's 24 and he's saying that, then I think I might have done something right. But I have to tell you that, um, that I, I love that. And, and I have to actually admit that I had asked him that question many times. The f- so I just kept asking until he said that. But the first time I asked him, what do you want to be? He said, Ryder from the cartoon Paw Patrol, you know. I was like, that's not the right answer. Let me keep asking, you know. So I finally got him to say that. So I thought I would, I would confess to you guys. That's how he said he wanted to be like me. But um, so if you've been around the church world for a while, uh, you've probably heard about this story that I'm going to read this morning. And it's actually another scripture in the Bible, Luke chapter 15. And if you've heard me speak at all, I've spoken on Luke 15, and I've only been here for a couple months, and I've already spoken, but I love, I love this passage, and I want to look at it today from a different perspective, Luke chapter 15. Now, people, if you've been around the church world, you know that in your Bibles, there's, there's these subheadings in the Bible, and what they did, it wasn't actually in the original scriptures, commenters later added this just so you could get an idea of what the next section you were about to read. And they named Luke chapter 15, uh, this passage here, they named it the prodigal son story or the lost, the story of the lost son. And quite honestly, I don't agree with that 
title um, because if you know the story, the story is actually about two sons. But I think the most important, and they're important, but the most important person in the story is actually about the father. And so I, I would have called it the founding father is what I would have called that, that part. So I want to look at the scripture, if you guys would, in Luke chapter 15. And it's going to come up on the big screens. You guys can follow along up there. And you're going to see some underlined words. And if you would be so kind with me this Sunday morning, and as you see that underlined word, would you read it out loud with me, okay? You guys ready? So verse 11, we're going to start there. Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, What did he call him, you guys? He said, Father. Good. Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. In other words, he said, I want the Corvette. I want my Corvette. I want my money. Give me what belongs to me. I want it now, okay? He said, I'm tired of your rules. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Okay, so if he was living today... What does wild living consist of? Normal. Normal. Yes. Drugs, paying for prostitutes, eating very, you know, staying at very expensive hotels, driving really expensive cars, rentals, you know, staying at very expensive places, eating a lot of expensive food. He just burns through all of his inheritance. So verse 14. After he had spent everything, can everybody say everything? There was a severe famine in the whole country. Look at that. After he spent everything, now there's a severe famine. And he began to be in need. Skip over to verse 17. Scripture says that when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my, help me out, my father's hired men have food to spare. And here I am. I'm starving to death. Here's what I'll do. I'll set out and go back to who? I'll go back to my father. And I will say to him, what? Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Verse 20. And so I guess he thought, you know, I'll just make it all right by going back to my dad. That's what he's saying. And so he sets out. And where did he go? He went to his, help me out, father. But while he was still a long way off, who saw him? The Bible says his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. This is a beautiful story. Verse 21. Then he said to him, and what did he call him? He said what? Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And, but who spoke about? Who spoke out? But the Father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast, you guys. Let's celebrate because my lost son is now found. And so they began to celebrate. They had this party, this unconditional, undeserved love of a founding father. Now, on this New Year's Day, beautiful New Year's Day. Those of you who are dads, you know, maybe you've done this before. I, I used to do this growing up. Um, I, I, I idolized my dad. Idolized my dad. And, uh, you know, I used to think this. I would never say this 
to people because I grew up in a Christian home, but to other guys, uh, you know, I, wouldn't, I would think in my mind, my father could beat up your dad. But I wouldn't say that because, you know, we grew up in a Christian home, so I would say, my father knows more about the Bible than your father knows, and didn't really have the same effect, you know, but it's what I thought. You know, I always thought he could take them, and I still think, you know, he's 70 years old today, or he's, you know, turned 70 this year, uh, this past year, and, and he, I still think he can take me, actually. I, you know, he's got this old man chi kind of thing where, you know, he just hits your chest, and all of a sudden, you're done. Um, but, so, now, I, I, I never once growing up, even though I idolized my dad, never once did I ever say, you know, I think my dad is more sensitive than your dad. Guys usually don't say that kind of thing. You know, I, I, think, I, I, I think my dad gives better butterfly kisses than your dad. As a guy, we probably wouldn't say that. But here in this scripture, in this passage, it's a very powerful portrait of our Heavenly Father and this story illustrates that. And if we're not paying attention, we can miss the whole breadth and the beauty of who God is and, and a special attribute of who our Father is in this passage. And so this morning, as we look at our founding Father, there's three sides of this port. There's three things in this portrait that I want to highlight, okay? So I'm going to show you today these three things that our founding Father is this morning. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to show you through this story is that God, our founding father, is also a patient father. That's, it. That's your word. He's a patient father. All right, so what kind of God is our father? He is, say it out loud, he is a patient father. Okay, illustrating his patience in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, scripture says this, uh, what is God, you guys? Would you say that phrase aloud with me? God is what? God is patient with you. Why? Because scripture says, because he does not want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. What a beautiful verse. He is patient with you because he doesn't want anyone. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Those of you who are parents, you know how difficult it is to wait. And in Luke 15, you see the story. And this father, he waited. Every single day, he waited waiting for his son. It's exactly what he did. He waited, and he waited, and he waited some more. Now, certainly, probably, you, you know, he had heard about the reports. Hey, but did you hear what your son is doing? He's smoking weed, you know? He, that, he robbed that drugstore over there. Did you hear about that? And his father probably heard all the negative reports about his son, but he didn't intervene. Oh, did you, did you see that he's getting fed? He's working at a pig farm. He's Jewish, and he's working at a pig farm. How could he be doing that? And he's going hungry. He's eating the stuff from the pigs. And very easily, the dad could have said, you know what? I did give him all my inheritance, but I'm going to show up anyway and, and give him some more because he's hungry, and he shouldn't be going hungry. And this is ridiculous. You're working at a pig farm. You shouldn't be working at a pig farm. You should be, you know, come home with me. And, 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 and so, but he didn't. This father patiently waited, and he waited. Every single day, he would wait at the edge of town, wait at the edge of his house, seeing if today is the day, looking out in the distance, is he coming today? Oh, oh, oh I, think, I think that looks like him. I can't wait. I think that looks like him. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, it's a camel. Never mind, that's not him. I'll keep waiting. And the next day, he's waiting. He's expecting his son to come home, expecting his son to come back, and he doesn't see him again. And he's waiting there. He's waiting every single day. But the father loved him enough to be patient. And you can almost picture the father 
doing this, looking out at a distance, trying to find him. And here's what blows me away. There are some of you right now that God the Father is looking for. And he's wondering, is today going to be the day that you decide to embrace me as your father? Is today going to be the day that you decide to, to come home to me? Some of you are going to come to God today. Maybe today's the day that you're, you're going to hear God's voice calling you, saying, come home, I'm, I'm waiting for you. And you're saying, you know what, I've crashed hard. I've hit rock bottom, and today's my day. I'm going to come to you. Maybe today's the day. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's one of the reasons God put together this message this Sunday morning on New Year's Day just for you. Maybe today's the day. He's waiting. He's waiting. Our heavenly founding father is a patient father. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And you have to understand that Paul was a bad guy. All right? He didn't just say bad words. He killed Christians. He killed Christians. This guy was a bad guy. Now, he says, I am the worst sinner. And the reason why he said that is because he's the worst. He really was. Okay, so here's what he said. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Paul calls himself the chiefest of sinners, the worst of sinners. Christ Jesus might display his what? Can you guys all say it aloud? Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would, be, who would believe on him and receive eternal life. And here we are, over 2,000 years later, holding on to that same scripture that Paul said that, man, if God can be patient with Paul, surely he can be patient with me. He is a a patient father. So the second attribute that we're looking at. So our founding father is one. What's the first one? Patient. Okay. Number two, you guys ready for this? He is a forgiving father. Can you say forgiving? All right. Forgiving in Ephesians chapter one, verse seven and eight. Here's what scripture says. In him, this is in Christ. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. What is it called? Say the next phrase aloud. It's called the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. In him, we have forgiveness of sins. And as you read through this story today about this founding father's love, what do you see the son do, you guys? You see the son, you know, he sins against his father over and over again. He could have easily have taken the credit cards of his dad, right? And could have easily just maxed them out and not worried about the repercussions and the interest, or he could have easily made his, da- his dad's name unreputable. Maybe the dad worked really hard, and he was a reputable man. You know, the dad, the father, is a picture of our Heavenly Father. So if he's anything like our Heavenly Father, he probably was a very reputable man, a man of high esteem, very highly respected. And so, but the dad, the son had no regard for that. And so the son just, he, he maxed out his credit cards, he, he did everything, he just caused disgrace on, on his dad's name and he's, he goes you know this the way he's living and, and sleeps with prostitutes totally abuses the father's good name and the right thing to do would be to go to his father and ask him for forgiveness but at no point in this passage does he do that he doesn't ask the father he doesn't apologize he doesn't say hey i'm sorry i'm a loser i'm the biggest loser forgive me i he, he doesn't come home all he says is i am unworthy and immediately scripture says immediately what does the father do 
Immediately, the father just grabs him, takes off his own robe, and puts his robe on his son. And so he says, I can't see your filth. I can't see your unworthiness anymore. He takes his own robe off, and he puts it on him so he doesn't see the stench and the filth that the young man has anymore. Yes, and so I pray for, I pray that, that, that this would happen to all of us here. He's, he, you know, understand that, that that's what our Father does. That's exactly, I, he, he says, you know what, I can make you clean again. And he says, let's kill the fattened calf. And for those of you here who don't eat meat, vegetarians, I just want to say that um, I wasn't very good with that this past week. I had a lot of meat, an, an abnormal amount of meat this week. It was like, I usually eat meat like red meat every once in a while, but this week was like unbelievable. I just had meat almost every day last week. And so when I read this particular passage about kill the fattened calf, my mouth started watering again, and I'm like, oh, can I have a piece of that, please? But I'm kind of getting off of where I was talking about. So totally forgiven, son. There's a story that I, that's always been meaningful to me. Uh, so I just wanted to say, that for you vegetarians, pray for me, because I'm trying to stop back, and, and, um, and I'll pray for you that you won't be jealous. Okay, so there's always a story that's been meaningful to me uh, that I heard uh, a few weeks, uh, a few months ago. And it, it's the story of a father and a wife and a son, and the son was being very disrespectful to his mom. And the father said, you know, that's it. You are not going to be disrespectful to your mom anymore and the next time you are disrespectful to your mom I don't care how old you are you might be 17 years old but I'm going to treat you like a six-year-old and I'm going to whoop you and let me just pause right there and I know some of you that are sitting here hear the word whoop and you know red flags and I just want to let you know that's the way I was raised uh I was raised that way uh I, I remember growing up that uh you know, my parents talked to the teachers before I went to school, like the first day, and they said, you know, if my kid ever acts up, let me know. And they would, you know, take off after they got told that I acted up, and they would take off from work and come to the school and spank me there. And then when I got home, I'd get another spanking. And so in front of the class, they would spank me. It was one of those. And so my parents, you know, they, they were very generous with the rod, vociferously, you know, and generously they, they, they applied that. So the father said, you know, I don't care that you're six years old. I am, I'm going to spank you and I'm going to give you 10 licks. Okay. And so guess what happened, you guys? Sure enough, the son disrespects the mother again. And so the, uh, the, the father said, all right, I told you what was going to happen, right? So he goes, and he's, all right, turn around. And then he said, wait a minute. You know, the punishment is still going to stand, but you're not going to get the spanking. You're not going to get the licks. I am. And so the father took his shirt off, and he put his hands on the table, and he gave the son the belt. And, you know, growing up for me, the belt, whenever, you know, it was always interesting. Whenever I'd get spanked, my, um, all of a sudden, I became my father's son. My mom, for some reason, it was never her. It was like, wait till your father, and look what your son did. It was never like, look what our kid, no, no, look what your son did. I, I remember that. And whenever my dad would come home, and it was time to get whooped, you know, he would pull out his belt, and it felt like it was a sword. It would, 
you know, this thing. And it was like, and he'd even have to hit me because he would fold the belt and he'd start doing this thing right here, crack, 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 crack. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. And just that would make tears come down. I was like already repenting just from that. You know, I didn't even have to say it was already happening. I'm so sorry. I'm repenting of everything I'm going to do. You know, it was just the crack, crack, crack. So, so it gives the, the, the father gives the, the son the belt and the, belt, the dad, the son, sorry, is saying, I can't do this. And the father said, I told you, the punishment's going to stand, and you're going you're gonna to spank me. And the, father, the son is like, he gave him kind of a week spank, and the father looked at him and said, that doesn't count. I want you to give me 10 as hard as you can. And the son got it, and he just whooped him as hard, and he was crying. The son is crying while he's whooping the dad on his back with these legs. And you know, you guys, that's exactly what our father God did. Our founding father, he did for us. You know, there's a punishment for each one of us for our sins. And the punishment still stands. And Jesus took the licks for us. And he took it for you. And he took it for me. And he's our founding father. And I I love that, that he forgave us of our sins and our filth. And he took the punishment for us because he's a forgiving father. Let's look at the scripture in Isaiah 43, verse 25. He says this, God says this, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins. What does the Bible say? Remembers your sins, what? No more. He does not remember your confessed sins. You guys, there's very little things that God cannot do. Very little things. But the scripture says here, all the, all the sins that we go to the Father that are under the blood of Jesus, he's such a good Father that he is, he's waiting for us today. That maybe And today might be the day for some of us. Maybe today will be the day where you decide to come back home. Maybe today will be the day that you decide to ask God to forgive you. And he's already forgiven you because he's a forgiving Father and he's found us. And the, he's, he's a forgiving Father for all of us, you guys. He's a patient father. He's a forgiving father. And number three, if you're taking notes, he's also an intimate father. He's an incredibly intimate father. Let's look at verse 20 back in Luke chapter 15, the founding father story. It says, when the son was coming home, scripture says this, but while he, the son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And so what did he do? The Bible says that he what? He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Here is a picture of God running toward you, toward his own. And not a lot of people, we don't understand the idea of him running. In those times, in the times of Jesus, men in those days wore robes. And they had a little slit on the robe. And the slit was there so that way they could work freely. But it wasn't for their leg to be exposed. That was a big thing. If your leg was exposed, it was a shame on the man. It brought him shame if his leg was ever exposed. And the father said, I don't care what they say. I'm in love with you. They try to pull me away, but they don't know the truth. He didn't really say that, but he said, I don't care what anybody else thinks. You thought Leona Lewis was the only one who sang that song. So I don't care what anybody else thinks. I could care less, and he just took off, and he ran towards the son, and he gives him a big old hug, and he shows him that he's an intimate father. He embraces him with the most intimate and meaningful hugs. And this is is awesome, and I thought when I was growing up that I, I had to perform 
for my dad to love me. There was a moment in my life where that's what I thought. And I have my youngest one, Esteban. He loves to dance. And we could be at Navarro's, you know, the pharmacy store. And I don't know why, but for some reason, the music is always loud in there. Uh, but we, we could be there walking in. All of a sudden, my, my son is like, Bobby! You know, and he starts dancing. And uh, he just, and, and I don't want to leave him dancing alone. So I start dancing with him, you know, because I don't want to leave him alone. And so we start dancing. And so I, I love that he does that. I love that he just spontaneously starts, you know, Bobby! He's like a, he's a walking party. And so I, I, whenever I see people, I'm like, or we go over to people's house, I'm like, okay, dance, you know, baila, baila, show them that you're like this party on wheels, you know, and, and he won't, and I'm like, come on, come on, dance, come on, dance, and, and he won't, he won't, he's like, no, no, and I'm like, come on, dance, but you know what, I'm so crazy about that little one, I am, I don't care, I don't care if he performs for me or not, I'm so crazy about him, I love him anyway, I love him anyway, and, and, and I believe that that's the way God is for us. Whether we perform right or not, God still loves us. And there, there comes a point in your life when you look back and you realize that you confess to God, and you say, you know what? I haven't done everything right to you, God. Everything right in my, I haven't done everything right in my life. And God is up there. He's saying, you have no idea. You haven't done anything right. But that's not, that's okay. I still love you. I still want, I'm that intimate of a father that I still want to love you and I still want to, to shower you with my grace and forgive you. That's who he is today. And so maybe today is the day that you realize that. Maybe today is the day that you confess to God so he can forgive you, that he is intimate. Maybe today is the day that you can lose yourself in the embrace that God gives you, that he wants to have as your heavenly father, that he says to you, my child, who was gone is home again. Listen to this verse in 1 John 3, verse 1. He says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And you guys, on this New Year's Day, on this New Year's Day, wouldn't it be great for you to say to God, you know what? I want to accept your love for me. I want to take this, which you have for me. I want to, uh, this forgiveness, I, I want to receive that in my life. This, this intimacy that I can have with you now, I, I want that in my life. On this New Year's Day, how about we start off 2017 like we didn't start off 2016? How about we start it off really high, on a high? Thank you for coming to church on the first day of 2017. But how about we start this day saying, you know what? I'm going to accept you, Father, as, as my Father. 